looking at verses 3 to 8, which uh, we just heard read. Let me lead us in prayer as we begin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you um, that we can gather together as your people today. Uh, in spite of all the hassles outside and all the difficulties of getting here, and uh, Father, help us um, in the midst of that to be able to come down and uh, concentrate on your word. Uh, we pray that uh, you will speak to us by your Spirit uh, as we uh, as we look at your word together. Uh, please work in our hearts. We pray uh, that we might um, together bring glory to the Lord Jesus. Uh, we ask this in His name. Amen. Uh, when you go to a shop, you normally go as a customer, don't you? Uh, you decide where you want to shop, and then you go according to your budget and your convenience. If you don't feel like going today, well, you can go tomorrow if you like. If you're too busy tomorrow, then you can go next week. You usually go to Tesco, but if you're near Giant, then, well, you can still go to Giant, can't you? And if there's a sail a giant, then you'll go there. And when you go there, you're just going to do your shopping. Uh, if you went to McDonald's on the way home, then you wouldn't uh, go and uh, clear up the things for everybody else. You just, you wouldn't even clear up your own things, would you? Um, you would just dream, uh, you know, that you just wouldn't, you wouldn't be involved uh, in the running of the shop or of the restaurant. Because you don't own the place. You don't even work there. It's your, you're a customer. The shop is there for your convenience. It is meant to cater to you and not you for it. But just imagine you went into business with a friend. And the two of you decided to open a shop of your own. And at that point, you won't just go to the shop when you feel like it. You won't just go when there's no traffic jam outside. You actually, if, there's, if you need to get to the shop, you will fight the policeman and get to the shop, wouldn't you? You won't say, oh, I don't feel like going in today. I'll go in tomorrow instead. Or next week. Or you will say, oh, actually, I'm near another shop. Let's go to the other shop. You won't do that because you're not, you're not just there to browse. You're there to work. And if your business partner was having a problem with the shop, then, then you'd be the first person to help, wouldn't you? Because it's your shop. You're not a customer. You have a stake in the business. You're a partner. Now, many Christians have a customer mentality when it comes to church. Church is here for my convenience. It's like a shop at the shopping center. I don't feel like coming today. It doesn't matter. There's always next week. And it doesn't matter where I go as long as I get my product. Good sermon, kind of music I like, warm, friendly atmosphere. And if I'm not getting what I want, or if it's more convenient, well, I'll go somewhere else. If there's a problem to be solved, or if there's work to be done, it's, it's not my concern. I'm a customer. The church exists to be attractive to me. Verses 3 to 8 of Paul's letter to the Philippians show how Paul and the Philippians related to each other. And they were not relating as shop and customer, they were relating as partners. In fact, the word that Paul uses for 
to describe his relationship with the Philippians is the word of, relation, is the word of partnership. Okay. Look at verse 3 to 5 of Philippians 1 again. Now there's an outline, uh, for, 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 for if you want to follow an outline, there's an outline in, one of, in the middle of one of the handouts that shows you where we're going. But uh, Philippians 1, uh, reading verse, this, verse 3 to 5. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making all my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, the word partnership there is the Greek word koinonia. Uh, koinonia uh, means having something in common. It means sharing together in something. So partnership is a good English word for it. it, it sometimes it's translated fellowship. Uh, so you see that's the same word. Uh, sometimes it's translated communion. Uh, that's the same word as well. And that's what those words are meant to mean. When we talk about, you know, when we say the grace at the end of the service, we say the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That means we are sharing together. We are partners, we are fellows, we are in God's Spirit. When we call the Lord's Supper communion, we are emphasizing that we share together in the death of Christ. Partnership, or fellowship, or communion is something that we, that we share together. It's something that belongs to each of us. Now, sometimes we just use it to mean getting to know each other. It's a slightly misuse of the word. You know? We have the church service from 10.30 or sometimes a little bit later um, till whatever time it finishes. And then we have fellowship over coffee and nice yummy things at the back. So if you eat and drink with your non-Christian friends, that's friendship. And if you eat and drink with your Christian friends, that's fellowship. Right? But fellowship or partnership or koinonia it means a lot more than that. It's, it's like being partners in the business. Paul and the Philippians were partners together in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They worked together, not to promote themselves, not to promote their, their business, not to promote an organization, but to promote the gospel. See, real gospel partnership means working together to promote the gospel. And so in verse 4, Paul says that this partnership that he has with them um, in promoting the gospel is a reason for joy. He prays for them with joy. It is a joyous thing. Just imagine, imagine living in a city where there's no Christians. You won't be able to, and say you can't communicate to other Christians by phone or email or anything like that. That would be really hard, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? And in a circumstance like that, if you found another Christian, then you'd be very, very pleased. Or what if you go to a, a new workplace or a new college? Well, what do you do? You, the first thing you look around, look and see any other Christians here, aren't you? And when you find one, there's, there's some like some kind of bond. And when you work together to promote the gospel in that situation, then, 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 then that bond is expressed. As you pray together, as you read God's word together, as you work together to bring the gospel to others, you are partners. Partners in the gospel. That is fellowship. Koinonia. And having gospel partners is one of God's great gifts to us. And here at SMAC, we are, we are partners together. We serve the Lord Jesus together. We work hard together to promote the gospel. 
Now all of us work hard to contact people, to tell them, you know, that we are Christians, maybe to invite them to church, invite them to an evangelistic event. I know the people from ACA, um, the, the two cell groups there, they're going to do leafleting at the UCSI campus. Some of them are taking leave to do that, and around Tesco Ampang. Uh, tertiary groups doing stuff with tertiary group here is doing stuff at Help College, and but all of us looking to to work. How can we invite friends? How can we tell friends about Jesus? How can we how can we contact them? Just make them know that we're Christian. Some of us are really creative at doing that. Uh, Swaran, Swaran was uh, is uh, was invited by uh, was approached by some people this week, right? Asking for donations for charity. Some was it a shopping center somewhere? Or? One of the Tamil shopping centers. So what does he do? He's, he finds out they're from UCSI. And thinks, ah, UCSI. Sadaya. They approach him for money, and so he invites them to church. Right? In fact, he's, he's said, I'll give you a donation if you come to church. Right? Right. He's using his brains. Right? He's playing his part in terms of partnership with the gospel. Right? Now, Swaran invite them, and when they come, you will welcome them. And I will preach to them. And someone else will, you know, that's, that's how we do it, isn't it? Together. All of us are thinking, how can we invite people? How can we think of people? How can we share? How can we find a, someone I can just give this, this, this little track of this little book to? By the way, let me tell you, we are doing advertising on Facebook. Right. Now that's to help you. Facebook does targeted advertising. You can choose who you target the groups. You know who we're targeting? With our Facebook ads? Your friends. Right? Anyone, the ads are going to people who are friends of people who are fans of Smack. Does that make sense? Right? So I'm not going to send it to you. You don't want ads about Smack. Right? I'm not sending it to random people out there. If you're a fan of Smack, then ads go to your friends. Why? So that there's something there. And then later on, when you invite them to something, there's, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I got an ad about that. And there's, does that make sense? Okay? So, it's, that's a level of contacting. And then we think about evangelizing. What is evangelizing? Evangelizing is actually telling people the gospel, isn't it? Actually getting the gospel, getting the message across to them. Now, all of us are involved in that. All of us are looking for a piece of the way we can evangelize. Um, and there's so many things we can be doing in, in doing that. Uh, one thing, think about our evangelistic events. Some people will plan the logistics behind it. Others spend hours on the phone getting you know, quotes from different venues so we can you know, go to a good place and not too expensive. Others donate money so that more people can come and afford it. Others put up tracts and Bible literature. We all try and bring our friends along. Some of us get our friends there. Some of us can't get. They don't come. Others, our friends not there. Never mind, we're still there because why? We're talking to newcomers who come, trying to welcome them. Others will share the gospel informally when they turn up. Only a few of us get to preach, actually. But we're all involved in it. We're all praying that God will turn people's hearts. Why? Because we're partners together for the gospel. And what about cell groups? You pray for your non-Christian friend. Maybe you share that with your cell group members, and they pray for your friend as well. And then every few weeks, hey, how's it going? You know. And depending on where your friend is at, they may be like, hey, have you tried giving them this book or this CD or? You know, downloading this talk or, or say, I say, hey, why don't you invite your friend to a cell group social so that they can get to know us and see you might be weird but the rest of us aren't. Yeah? 
I'd even offer re- to meet regularly with your friend to read the Bible and pray with them if that's, if that's the case. Or let them ask questions. That's a, that, is, that is partnership in the gospel. And we are partners together in promoting the gospel. That's so much better than working alone. When Marianne takes, Marianne takes these, uh, uh, these, um, this chin congregation on Sunday nights, try and get Bibles to them. You say, hey, buy Bibles. You all bought Bibles. So much so that the Smack 2 and ACA didn't have any Bibles to buy. Right? The Smack 1 bought all the Bibles and said, hey, give it to the Chin people. Right? Then others go and preach to them. And others go and organize. It's fantastic. See, we all contribute to the, to the effort. We've all got gifts that differ. We work hard together. We labor together. We're in partnership together. And as we do that, our relationships are cemented, aren't they? You see, when we strive together for the gospel, when we strive together for a much higher goal than partnership in itself, that is the glory of God through the spirit of the gospel, and when we make sacrifices together for the gospel, then that is when our fellowship is the strongest. See, if we just strive simply for fellowship, and we say, okay, let's make really good, let's make fellowship, in the end, that that eludes us. But we strive together for the gospel and we find that we are in partnership and fellowship in order to achieve that. And like Paul and like the Philippians, being in partnership with our brothers and sisters to serve God together, that is, that is a source of great joy. Joy of knowing that we share together in Christ and his gospel. And the partnership that we share it starts with something far deeper than the partnership itself. Because the basis for the partnership is, is God's work. And so when Paul thanks God for the Philippians, when he expresses joy at the partnership they have, he does it with the underlying assurance that actually God is the one who makes it possible. And so verse 6 he says, and I am sure of this, or literally actually it's having become confident of this. The reason why he's praying and thanking God for their partnership is because he's confident of this. And what is it? Verse 6, halfway through, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. God knew, uh, Paul knew that God had begun a good work in the Philippians. He knew that the church of Philippi had received the gospel, that he had preached to them. He told them that Jesus died for their sins, rose again, that he is Lord. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he told them, and you shall be saved. And they did. God granted them the faith to believe. God was at work. And they showed they were genuinely his people by the way they lived their lives and by the way they expressed their partnership in the gospel. And he was sure that as a group that their conversion was genuine and so he was confident that God would continue the process. But God began in you, Philippians, he will finish He will keep you faithful to Jesus. He will grow you in faith and hope and love. He will work within you both to will and to act according to his good purpose. God was truly at work among them. So what he started, he would bring it to completion. Jesus would bring them to glory. And confident of that, Paul thanks God for their partnership together. And friends, true Christian partnership starts with the work of God. Starts with what God has done for us in Jesus. 
It's founded on the common bond that we have. That is the grace of God. His kindness to us in Christ. It's the fact that God through the gospel has made us his own. That we've experienced his forgiveness through faith in Jesus. And that God works in us and will continue to work in us by his spirit until the Lord returns. We are recipients of God's grace. And so the foundation for our partnership together is God's work in us to save us and to keep us. And if we're indeed trusting in Jesus, then we have been forgiven by Him. God will finish His work in our lives. And if we as a congregation are indeed following Jesus, if we are indeed based on the gospel of Jesus, and the work that God has started in us together, He will complete that is the foundation of our partnership. See, without the gospel, we can never be gospel partners. We can be pals, can be buddies and friends, and comrades even with unbelievers. We cannot be partners in the gospel, can we? Can I experience gospel fellowship with them? It's based on God's work in us, which He will bring to completion. The other thing we notice about gospel partnership is that it's sustained with words. This whole letter is an act of communication by Paul to his partners. He writes to them and notice the kind of thing that's prominent in his communication to them. It's, it's about Jesus. It's about the gospel. It's about God's people. These are the things that dominate this letter. And those are things we must be reminding each other of as partners together. As gospel partners we keep on communicating the gospel to each other. Every time we sing a song about the gospel we are doing that. Every time we read the Bible, we are doing that. Every time one of us stands here and speaks, we are doing that. Every time we discuss a Bible passage in our small groups, we are doing that. We're going to start an email newsletter sometime in the next few months. And every time that comes out, that will be what we're doing. And we chat to each other, whether it's after church, over coffee, or on Facebook, or MSN, or whatever it is. It'd be good to do that, wouldn't it? Sometimes it's a little bit hard to get away from talking about trivia. I find it hard. There's nothing wrong with talking about trivial things. Right? You've got to start somewhere. It's fine to talk about the weather and the curry and the stock market and, of course, the football. Right? You can talk about how bad we feel about Italy being kicked out and, you know, all that. And Australia. But we also need to get beyond that. Business partners don't always talk about business together, but they don't talk about everything except business, right? What ties us together is a passion for the gospel. Then we need to have conversations that reflect that. We're partners together in the great endeavor of getting the message out that Jesus is Lord, that he died for our sins, that he rose again. If we're partners together in, in making disciples of Jesus Christ, then we need to talk about it. Remind each other of the gospel and its implications. Or what we've learned in our Bible readings. How we can apply what we've, what we've heard from the sermon. Ask for prayer for issues that we're facing. Think through together how we can reach others. Run ideas past each other about how we can serve God in our workplace. Gospel partners will talk about the gospel. How it's working out in our lives and our ministries.
gospel-based communication, sustained by, sustained with words. And the next thing is it's expressed in prayer. Uh, Paul says in verse 4 about his prayers for the Philippians. He talks about praying with joy. He talks about every prayer of his for them. And verse 9 to 11, he'll actually talk about what he prays. We'll look at that next week. But prayer, that is a crucial part of gospel partnership. Last night, six of us sat down to pray for our church. We prayed for all the different ministries, all the various mission activities, all the things that are happening, because why? We are partners together. I hope next month more of us are there. Let's make team. I know some godly old people in Adelaide who pray for Judy and and, and, and myself every day. Well, they can't be here, they can't preach and teach and train and disciple people in KL, but they can pray for us and we really appreciate their prayers. I really appreciate your prayers. I need them. I need you to pray that I'll be godly in my activities and relationships. I need to pray as I struggle to prepare sermons of trying to be faithful to God's word and relevant to your lives. You need to pray for me as I try to lead our family and our leaders and our congregation in gospel work. No, I'm not adequate for all that, but God's grace sustains me and I need you to pray for me. God works with the prayers of his people. We rely on God together to work in among us. It's not just me to pray for. We all pray for each other. We're in partnership with each other, so... I wonder whether we actually pray for each other as much as we, uh, as much as we should as, as partners together. I know we pray together when we meet in church. We pray for each other, that's good. We pray for our cell group leaders. We pray for the people in our cell groups. We pray for people who don't have a cell group. Do we express our partnership together before the throne of grace by remembering each other? those even outside our congregation who we're partners with. You know, there's a lady from the 7 a.m. congregation here at the traditional service. Her name is Mercy. Every Tuesday morning she'll catch Mary Ann as she comes in to work and she'll say, okay, sit down. What can we pray for? What's happening in Smack? She'll write down all the things that are happening. And she'll pray and pray and pray and pray for us. Lovely old lady. And she does, I know she does, because I hear her praying at various, various things. all you do to the part for the partnership is to pray and pray and pray for the work of the gospel among us then you have made a huge contribution it's part of promoting the gospel gospel partners pray for each other we appreciate each other's prayers next thing we notice here about Paul's partnership with the Philippians is the, is the depth of affection he felt towards them for gospel partnership leads to emotional affection he says in verse 7 it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers of me with me of grace. He says, I hold you in my heart. Well, if you go on to verse 8, he underlines that very strongly. He says, God is my witness how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. See, Paul is far away from the Philippians. He's in prison different city, he's in Rome but they are in his thoughts 
love and the fondness and the warmth between them is, is still there. He has them in his heart. He longs for them with a deep affection. Now, I think I know a little bit of what Paul's talking about here. Um, um, as I look at our congregations here, I, there's a love and a fondness uh, I have towards you. I, so I think, oh, Andrew's being really sentimental. Pass me the bucket, you know, he's going to go, I don't know, I don't, don't want to get this. But it's true. You're in my heart. I know that. Um, you know, we don't like going away on Sundays um, because I want to be here with you. Uh, and wherever I'm away, and it's Sunday, I think, oh, okay, it's 10.30, smack one starting. Okay, maybe 10.45, smack one starting. Uh-huh. Um, oh, you know, ACA is going to start. And as your fellow servant in Christ, I can say that, that I, 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 I do love you, you know, in a godly way. And love is forged from serving together. I hope you can say the same things about each other. That's what partnership's about. You grow an affection for each other. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not some law. You must feel affection for your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you don't, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Feel affection. Yeah. That's just a natural thing that comes out of our working together for the gospel. The gospel partnerships express an affection for our gospel partners. And as we do that, that that's something that will just, will just happen, really. Next thing about gospel partnership is it's, it's cemented through suffering together in hardship. Paul says in verse 7, you are, at the end of verse 7, you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. As Paul defends, as he confirms the gospel, maybe even at his trial, it warms his heart to know the Philippians are doing the same thing in their situation. God has been sustaining Paul by his grace, to be faithful in the midst of difficulty and persecution, and he's doing the same thing for them. Now, later on in verse 27, he will say how he wants to hear they are contending side by side for the faith of the gospel. See, gospel ministry sometimes is a struggle. The Bible sometimes describes it as a fight. It won't always be popular. We will face opposition. You have to face sacrifices for the gospel. But when we go through tough times and we know we're doing it together, then, then our partnership is strengthened. And there will be times when from the outside it looks like we're on the losing side. You know, Here's Paul, he is in chains. He is in bonds, he is in prison. Yet, what are the Philippians doing? They're sticking with him. They're not afraid to identify with him, not frightened that they'll be the next target to disassociate with him. Well, they send, even send someone to be with Paul, to show their concern for him. They send money to support him so he can eat while he's in prison, because prisoners weren't fed by the state in those days. And so in chapter 4, verse 14, Paul calls that sharing in his troubles. Our translation talks about share in my troubles. That's what he says. And actually, the word is partnering together, or fellowshipping together. It's koinonia together in my troubles, in chapter 4, verse 14. And they go on in their own sufferings for the gospel. He will go on to say in uh, verse 29 to 30, uh, later on, we'll look at it in a couple of weeks' time. It says, It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Paul, Paul, Philippians share with Paul, they are partners together in suffering. And God sustains them by his grace. They are partners together in grace through suffering. Now, I know there are a number of people in our SMAC and ACA congregations who suffer significantly for the gospel. 
I'm not talking about policemen not letting you through in the church and stuff like that. Right? Uh, but it happens, especially among people whose families don't believe. And their families put all kinds of pressures on people. Some of us suffer at work because we make a stand for Christ or even just try to do what's morally right. You suffer for being a Christian? Suffer for doing what is right? Well, if that's the case, then share it with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Do it. There's no shame among us for suffering for the sake of Christ. That's not to be a badge of honor. And brothers and sisters, look after those who are suffering for the gospel. Don't we'll shy away from brothers and sisters who are facing persecutions. Because we'll be partners with them in that. Say, so, yeah, how can we help? We're with you. Help and support in people in their troubles, even if it means being at risk yourself, because that's what Christians do. We're in partnership, we're in fellowship in the gospel. There's nothing like suffering together to cement it. And the final expression of partnership we see here in Philippians uh, is in terms of giving and receiving. Uh, we saw earlier in chapter 4, verse 14, that Paul calls their sending of Epaphroditus with gifts to him as what, sharing in my troubles, that partnering together or fellowshipping together in my troubles. Because why they had sent him gifts and money while he was in prison. Uh, and that was just the latest and ongoing pattern of support. He goes on in 4 verse 15 to say, And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. There's that partnership word again, isn't it? In fact, even, verse 16, even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again. The partnership involves giving and receiving. There's, there's money involved. Uh, go back to chapter 1, verse 3. And chapter 1, verse 3 says, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. The Greek is actually ambiguous there. What we've got here is quite possibly right. I thank my God every time I remember you. The other way of translating it could well be, I thank my God for every time you remember me. That is when you show your concern for me in your tangible gifts. It doesn't matter which one Paul meant. Both are true. We've already seen the evidence in chapter 14 of, of that expression of gospel partnership. See, giving and receiving among gospel-minded people is an expression of our partnership in the gospel. It's a matter of us using the resources God has given us to, to support each other in the gospel. All of us have some resources. We all chip in something. Some people got more resources. They'll chip in more. It's not the amount that's important. It's the partnership that expresses that. It's using money to spread the gospel. That is gospel partnership. Part of that is the normal support of our congregation. Money in the box, that's a tangible sign of that. But as we tell visitors, don't worry about money in the box. Why? Because you're, you're a visitor. The money in the box is for partners. Those who are together and part of the, part of the thing. more to it than that. The diocese pays me and other clergy a salary from a pool collection in different churches as a sign of our partnership together among the churches. When Tim Nichols' friends in Australia, Tim Nichols not here this morning, he's in preaching at the ACA Iban service, being translated. Um, when the, his partners in Australia give him money to come here, why? It's a sign of their partnership in the gospel. And they couldn't have all come here and served among us, they just chip in and pay Tim to do that. And he does. 
Next week we'll launch a Mission Workers Fund. Help us support Mary Ann and Dana Raj and Tim Phillips. Many of us know the great work that they're doing. And we want to be part of that. I know some people, as one person who's already, even before it's open, has come and given a check and said, hey, I want to put this in. Okay, keep this. They'll not be able to do what they're doing, but we'll be using our money to be in partnership with them, enable them to do it. And gospel partnership means that some of us will pay for others to promote the gospel in ways that, that we can't. But then that's what you do in a partnership, don't you? Different people have got different things. Well, we've looked at some of the characteristics of gospel partnership. Let me ask you, are you a gospel partner? You, in fellowship with other believers, in this kind of way, to see God's gospel going out? You can't be partners in every Christian group. You know, it's not practical. Let me ask you for a moment, in relation to your brothers and sisters here, and you can apply that in whatever other groups you might be part of. What are you here for? Are you an observer? Client? Customer? Are you a partner? Are you a consumer of ministry or a partner in ministry? Express it in lots of ways, not just the official ones. Now, there's nothing intrinsically wrong about being here as an observer. If you're an observer, great to have you here. Welcome. We love you. We want you to keep coming. And what we hope is eventually become a partner. Right? That's what Christian fellowship's about. Well, listen to me carefully. Partnership is not a piece of paper that you sign. Right? Now, you've got pink electoral roll forms to say, oh, I want to be on the electoral roll. If that's fine. We want you to be on electoral roll. But it doesn't make you a partner. There's no bit of paper that says, I now hereby become a gospel partner. It's not about formalities. It's not about legalistic ticking boxes. Okay, if I come to four out of five church services and I come to Smack Team and Cell Group 80% of the time, then, you know, if I don't, then I get kicked out because I'm not a gospel partner. It's not about signing on the dotted line. It's not about an, it's, it's about an attitude of the heart. It's about how you think of yourself. It's about how you love your brothers and sisters. It's about making priority for church and ministry. It's about willingness to suffer. It's about being a team player. It's about putting energy and money into the work. It's about praying for the ministry. It's about serving Jesus together. And it's about letting the rest of us help you as well. Serving you. Helping you grow as a disciple of Jesus. Joining you in making Jesus known together. My brothers and sisters, a gospel partnership starts with God. It's based on a common experience of His grace through the gospel of Jesus. As gospel partners, we are committed to each other. We communicate with each other. With words. Encourage each other in the gospel. Pray for each other. Pray for God's work among us. We work together for the gospel, both in good times and in difficult times. And in doing that, we develop a fondness and affection for each other. Stand by each other when mistreated for the gospel. 
and are willing to put time, money, whatever resources God has given us into that partnership for the sake of the gospel and for the glory of God. It's great to be partners together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross to take away our sins. Thank you that he rose again. It's Lord of all. Thank you that you have called us through that gospel of Jesus to be yours. Thank you that your spirit has opened our hearts to believe in Jesus. And thank you that you who have begun a good work in us will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you that you have given us each other uh, to be partners together, to be in fellowship and communion together, to work together as your people, to promote your gospel, as, as, uh, to grow together as disciples of Jesus, to help each other in that. Heavenly Father, we pray that this gospel partnership will be something that, that we see seriously, that we really do take seriously, that we really see how we relate to each other, and that we would press on together in love and affection and make Christ known and to glorify your name. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name.